G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Yes, we are talking through issues to do with marriage today and the marriage plebiscite. You will have begun to potentially receive a plebiscite survey ballot paper in your letterbox. And if not today, sometime over this next couple of weeks. So in this hour ahead, a great discussion, in fact, and one you might like to be a part of. I want to open our talkback lines so you can be a part of our conversation. Perhaps you've got your own insights into how conversations do unfold in family circumstances or around the water cooler at work when it comes to this issue. So discussing those likely conversations that you might have from this time forward. As you receive those ballots in the mail, it may create conversations at your place and even trigger for some concerns or it may even develop to a point of conflict. Now, perhaps uh, let's hope it's uh, only a verbal conflict and nothing more, but you just never know in the heat of this type of debate. So how will you handle those conversations? Or how will you resist pressure from others, even in your own family? Uh, to vote a certain way. Well, as you know, as Christians, we resist the idea of being coercive, uh, not telling people how they should vote. But given that this is not an election and that marriage is a gospel issue, even a theological issue, you may want to cast your ballot according to your Christian conviction and mindful of the consequences of losing the plebiscite survey. Well, cultural commentator Bill Muhlenberg is joining us today to talk through some of these issues, and we are taking calls, as I say, 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to join in our conversation. A special welcome back to 2020 to you, Bill Muhlenberg. Many thanks. Always great to be with you. Well, Bill, uh, let's get things started. Uh, let's not waste a lot of conversation today and uh, get into some of the sorts of conversations that might well eventuate at home, around the dinner table, around the coffee table, uh, or at work around the water cooler. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on just how things will develop here? Because there would be some families that haven't really talked about this until now. Yes, that's uh, true. Um, certainly if we're looking at our main listening audience, we're talking especially of Christian families. Uh, sadly, it's been the case that Christians often have not talked about these sorts of matters at all for various reasons. Uh, some think politics as such has nothing to do with their faith or shouldn't be raised in polite uh, circles of conversation. Others think, you know, our job is just to preach the gospel. Well, then I'd ask, what exactly does the gospel entail? Would it include everything Jesus taught, especially about things like human sexuality and marriage? So there'd be a lot of reasons why, sadly, Christians haven't even begun to engage in this kind of debate. Uh, you know, we may talk and have sermons in church about 
individual marriage and the importance of being a good husband and wife, but there's been almost near silence when it comes to some of these big political and social debates that are raging all around us. I would have thought the churches should be the first place where Christians, in the pews at least, can learn about what does their faith say about these things, uh, why is this important, and how might I think about uh, acting in the upcoming vote. Well, Bill, a lot of Christian believers will be saying, I haven't heard a lot about this in my local church. There's a lot of pastors or priests who may be reluctant to rock the boat by yep. addressing the issue. And yep. and then when it's not addressed in church because the pastor is treading lightly, uh, all of a sudden you see in the mainstream media a whole lot of church leaders who are presented as supporting a yes case. And it does seem to create some level of imbalance. So uh, this imbalance, how do you talk to people about uh, what the Bible teaches, what Mm. most churches are talking about, and what the mainstream media is presenting by putting up these, uh, you might even say, rogue church Christian leaders? Well, look, that's quite the case. As you say, either churches are not saying anything about this or... The ones that are getting airtime, especially with the mainstream media, are those who are really defying God and His Word on this basic issue of God's institutions of marriage and family. So yes, it's a real shame that we're not hearing from the pulpits in so many churches. What does God say about these issues? That includes the broader issue of human sexuality, what are God's plans and purposes, Uh, sadly, some churches, it's a taboo issue. It's it's controversial. It's going to rock the boat. Pastors don't want to offend people. They don't want to alienate people. Don't want to polarize people. So they'll simply avoid altogether issues like this. Now, I think that's just well a dereliction of Christian duty. I mean, if I were to go to the Bible and pick out the guy who seemed to be the most polarizing, the most uh, well, almost a troublemaker, causing offense, causing division, well, I probably couldn't go any further than reading the Gospels and reading about Jesus. Sure, he was the most loving and gracious and kind person to walk the earth, but wherever he went, uh, almost of necessity, he caused division. Uh, just read how many times it says that in the Gospel accounts. Uh, truth has a habit of doing that. If you proclaim something to be true, those who reject that truth or adhere to the opposite, they're going to get upset. They're going to be divided. They're going to be offended. Uh, That's the nature of the beast. That's what truth does. Uh, Sadly, we live in a culture that's kind of 99 shades of gray. Nobody wants to believe in black and white anymore. But even more sadly, some of our churches are uh, in that camp They think we shouldn't proclaim any truths too strongly. We don't want to alienate people and make people feel bad. So the very key issues of the day are simply not discussed, or if they are, they're so watered down that you might as well be listening to, say, the ABC on some of these issues. Bill, not all families are on the same page with this issue and this may well be the way that those concerns, even those conflicts, uh, could rise to the surface from today on for this next couple of weeks. Younger people 
are, as according to what the surveys tell us, uh, more inclined to support uh, same-sex marriage, the yes vote. Uh, for families that are, uh, that, well, you know, there's uh, the kids are grown up, uh, they're 18, they're on the electoral roll, and uh, and you know, they've still got the kids at home. This yeah. is where there could even be some flashpoints around the dinner table tonight. Yeah, yeah absolutely. If there is a discussion about these matters, as you say, there is some division both within the churches and, um, sadly, even in Christian homes. Uh, in fact, I had a person just send a comment to my website on this very issue, you know, uh, a asking about, you know, what the outcome might be and where do we go from here, depending on the outcome, but B, um, it's, it's caused some division. Uh, what do we make of that and how should we try to deal with that division? My reply to him was that um, I do believe in many ways this is indeed a gospel issue. It's not something you can pick and choose. It's not something you can agree to disagree with. I think it really is one of the fundamental tenets of biblical Christianity, namely what God had always designed for human sexuality, his purposes for marriage and family, all that is now horrifically under attack from so many different quarters. And I think it was Luther who said words to the effect that when the battle was raging the most fiercely at one place, if we, uh, you know, refuse to go there where it's most necessary, uh, we really are, again, being a bit derelict in our duties. And I think uh, the Church here has to take a stand on something this vital. It really is a first-order importance. So I told this fellow in the comment, well, you know, it's possible this is partly a means by which God is sifting, doing a bit of separation. Um, Hard to speak about this, especially if it's your own family, but I think it is a, a kind of a test where God is saying, okay, there are wheat and tares growing up together. Uh, which will be uh, separated at the last day, of course, as he said in Matthew. There are sheep and goats. Um, I think this can be an issue where we kind of decide, okay, especially amongst Christian leadership, are you really one of God's faithful shepherds, or are you a hireling? Are you running with what God and his word has so clearly said on these matters, or are you simply running with uh, you know, the culture of the day, the spirit of the age, and compromising on this core Christian issue. So, in a sense, uh, you know, we don't always like uh, division. Unity is important, but uh, purity of truth and conduct, what we believe and how we behave, that's also a biblical priority. So some people say we must have unity at all costs. I would say unity must never come at the expense of truth, biblical truth. So, yeah, I know of some families already where there is this kind of separation and, you know, division, and it hurts to be in those kinds of families. But, um, you know, on something this vital, uh, standing on God's Word and His principles Sometimes that has to be done, and I hate to say it, we have to remind ourselves, even Jesus talked about, you know, if you love your father or mother more than you love me. Uh, You know, he's certainly not taking a dim view of family relationships. He thinks they're quite important, 
But at the end of the day, Christ and his lordship and his truth does have to be the kind of uh, final uh, area that we're going to adhere to and not, uh, you know, we don't seek to break off relationships or cause harmful division, but sometimes that's just the nature of the case. We are taking calls on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen, and we're talking about the sorts of conversations that you might anticipate when those postal plebiscite ballot forms arrive at your place. Let's take a call from Bell in Victoria. Hello, Bell. Welcome along. Uh, hello, Neil. Um, I've I just got a couple of things to say, so if I can just say them sure. first. Yep. Uh, firstly, I'll say I'm, I'm going to be voting no. Um, the other day, I think I heard on Vision Radio something about, I was just appalled to hear it, that in children's classes, they had this gender theory. And they're discussing, they're, I discussed this with my daughter who lives in, in Western Australia. And they're just saying that um, this is what I wrote down as sort of my own personal blog. Um, but they're blaming genes for all our health issues, even being obese, and yet won't let your genes or, or our genes dictate what sex we are because they're really saying the gender theory is saying you don't know what sex you are. You know, basically you will choose. And my point is if they're too young to vote, then they're too young to choose what sex they are. I just think it's sort of gone right outside, you know, the um, expectation of what's really normal. Bill, you make a good point there. A response from Bill Muhlenberg. Oh, I think she's uh, absolutely right. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's just one of so many bizarre things we find in this debate uh, you know, on the one hand, they're telling us we can pick our gender at three or four years of age and we can become somebody completely the opposite gender if we so happen to feel that way. Uh, but on the other hand, they say our sexuality is actually fixed when it comes to something like homosexuality. You're born that way. It cannot change. And yet with the transgender thing, we can basically pick and choose every day where we want to be. Uh, this is just one of a number of, uh, well, kind of glaring inconsistencies from the other side. And then the whole idea of disease and so on, of course, well, it is uh, not necessarily a very healthy lifestyle. So we want to show care and love to some people in this area and not promote effectively, which is this is going to happen, promote a lifestyle. When you legalize something, you basically are saying you're giving social approval to it, and you're saying this is something we endorse as a society. So uh, there's a lot of uh, flow-on effects from something like homosexual marriage. And, of course, even the question itself is probably vague enough that it can just be taken even further if the yes vote wins. So there's a whole lot of areas in which you know the red flags of caution should be waving all around us, and, uh, you know, we really should be saying, slow down, and, you know, I have to vote no for now until a lot of things are dealt with more carefully. Even the issue of religious freedom and how that's going to be impacted is going to be a real serious issue if we go down this path. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. We're talking about conversations you may anticipate having when the postal plebiscite ballots arrive in the mail at your place. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation today. We're taking calls, so let's hear from Jenny in Western Australia. Hello, Jenny. Welcome along. Hi. 
Hi, Jenny. What are your thoughts on our conversation today? My thoughts are on three things. First of all, this is an issue of freedom of speech. Secondly, we need to respect people's opinion, and I find that Christians are the ones that are persecuted for speaking at the moment. Nepal's already looking at changing social laws to criminalise evangelism, and so I think this is an issue of freedom of speech and changing the law. And thirdly, I'd like to say, who spoke out in that story with the Empress New Clothes? How many people saw that he was naked and it was a child that spoke the truth? So I think we need to speak up. Uh, Jenny, good thoughts there. A response from Bill Muhlenberg. Well, she's uh, said it all. I couldn't say it better. I certainly would agree with all three points. Uh, Obviously, the whole issue of our freedoms being taken away is huge. I mean, I and others have been documenting this for years. In my book, I've got hundreds of examples on my website, hundreds more. And the scary thing is, if we're having this much restriction on religious and other kinds of freedom, freedom of speech, if we're having this much anti-Christian bigotry right now, and here in Australia, we don't yet have legalized homosexual marriage. So as I keep asking, how much worse are things going to be if we do go down this road? And again, we simply look at countries overseas that already have done this, and we see the horror stories. We see Christians and others who've been uh, fired from their jobs, all because they think marriage is between a man and a woman. We've seen Christians being fined, some even put in jail. This is already happening now overseas, and uh, if it's pretty grim here, and it certainly has been almost daily, you read another shocking story of how the other side is intimidating and bullying uh, Christians from even publicly speaking out. Well, it's going to get a whole lot worse, I can guarantee that much. So if you value freedom, especially the freedom to preach the gospel, to share the good news of Jesus Christ, well, then you should be at the forefront. As your caller rightly said, we have to be speaking out and speaking out very firmly. Thank you so much to Jenny from WA, 1-800-316-316, to join in our conversation today. Let's hear from Anderson in WA. Hello, Anderson. Good morning, uh, Neil, and uh, good morning, Bill, and thank you both for your contributions to to this issue and, and many others for that matter, but particularly this issue. I um, I watched a video um, from um, an email from the ACL the other day where John Howard spoke about, uh, I said the words, changing the definition of marriage is not an exercise in human rights and equality, it's an exercise in deauthorizing the Judeo-Christian influence in our society. I think he nailed it there, and of course, uh, as is often the case, videos linked to other videos, and, and this one was particularly interesting because I, I, I then saw a video uh, um, between uh, Alan Jones and Mark Latham. Now, neither of those two gentlemen are number one on my hero list. Um, they're a long way down the track. However, the issue they raised was, was worth mentioning, I think. Um, Latham actually went and looked at the bills that have been introduced by various members to bring about this so-called marriage equality. He made the point that it used to be, discussion used to be um, about same-sex marriage, or at least Mark Latham made his point that the discussion used to be about same-sex marriage. Now it's moved to the idea of marriage equality. 
he thought initially that was a marketing ploy, but when he looked at the bills, the bills actually say, according to Mark Latham, that any two people can marry. Now, that's a whole different story. It's not just about two men marrying or two women marrying, but what about a man and, and a child? Or a, a man who thinks he's a woman? Or a woman who thinks she's a man? Or, or whatever. And when you go into the whole thing, it's not just a matter of being uh, gay or lesbian. There are, well, according to some people, up to 200 different uh, gender assignments you can come up with a label for. I Anderson, mean, you are reflecting the complexity of the whole issue. And there are issues there of uh, semantics and definitions. And the issues are far deeper than most people appear to appreciate. Bill Muhlenberg, your thoughts for Anderson? Well, he's exactly on the money. He's uh, seeing the ramifications of this that really every concerned Australian should, whether you're Christian or not. Everything changes once something like this goes through. This is such a radically uh, socially uh, transformative change if you legalize something like this that everything gets impacted and i've again written on this constantly uh the number of groups pushing their own uh, case for legalized marriage for example if you simply type in the word polyamory that is group marriage yeah well you'll get millions of hits i mean just google that term to start with there's all kinds of Legal aid societies and professional bodies, they're all saying, look, based on the very same logic of homosexual marriage, there is nothing to prevent us from having a group of people getting married. Um, Take any other combination you can imagine. They're all calling for the same thing. So it's a package deal, the radical uh, safe schools, so-called programs are part and parcel of the legalization of homosexual marriage. In fact, almost all the activists on the other side have made that perfectly clear. They've said that. If we get our homosexual marriage, there will be mandatory safe school propaganda in every school for every child in the country. They've said it. So it's not a question of us uh, fear-mongering. We're simply reporting what they've already said. So, yeah, the whole bit, the transgender uh, revolution that's really taken off the last couple of years, that is all part of it. As your caller, Alexander, rightly said, uh, Anderson, sorry, the, um, you know, the whole concept of you might have a guy and a gal who like each other, the gal decides she wants to become a a girl or a guy. I mean, you choose... You basically, you, you know, every day you have you kind of make a new choice as to what you are. So it's not just same-sex marriage, as he said. It's it's this whole new weird world of various combinations, and it, it really spells the end of marriage. And which the real concern is, it's the end of giving every child their own mother and father. Uh, Bill, let's continue to take some calls. Uh, Let's hear from Alex, who's been waiting patiently in Essendon in Victoria. Hello, Alex. Welcome along. Yes, good morning. Uh, Yes, it's concerning that Christians uh, are not reading the Bible to see the the definite uh, response of of the Word of God against this type of um, sin. And uh, and even in churches, it's it's hard to hear uh, messages like that. And 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 um, and even the fact that a, a Christian can lose, lose 
his salvation is hardly touched on, and yet there are many places where it, where it, it says that. For instance, this one in Revelations, uh, Sardis, uh, the church uh, uh, in Sardis, uh, verse 5, He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before the Father and before his angels. And and so this sort of message is, is sort of, is not preached. And, uh, you know, and, and it's difficult. From there on, it gets very uh, wishy-washy. Yeah. Alex, let's get some thoughts from Bill Muhlenberg, because it is an important issue you raise. When you are a Christian, you are concerned about using that word sin and uh, issues of salvation. Bill Muhlenberg, your thoughts for Alex from Essendon. Yeah, so I think Alex is absolutely right. Uh, I wish we had more Christians thinking and speaking out the same way. Uh, The truth is, Scripture is full of a lot of hard sayings. Uh, Jesus had a lot of hard sayings, if you will, things that were really quite shocking to his listeners. And as uh, Alex mentioned, he did often speak about this kind of thing, about, well, the fear of man wanting to please people, He said in a similar passage about, if you will, you know, deny me before men, well, guess what? I'm going to deny you before the Father. And I think, again, that the issue of God's intentions for marriage and human sexuality are so absolutely vital. We find them in Genesis. They run all the way through to Revelation. They're a picture of God's relationship with his people, so hugely important. I really do think, if certainly if people deny uh, this and, and say they're going to vote to uh, really effectively destroy marriage, or at least if they refuse to speak out on it, I think it's, it's really getting into some of those passages that Alex and I have mentioned about those who do not uh, speak up when they should be. Uh, maybe they will find an unpleasant surprise later on. So I think it is that important. I really do. It's, uh, you know, we found the same in, say, just go back 200 years with the Wilberforce. There were plenty of so-called Christian pastors who would not speak out against slavery. Now, why was that? Well, some of them themselves owned slaves, or they knew of slave owners in their congregation, So again, they didn't want to rock the boat. They didn't want to ostracize. They didn't want to polarize their congregation. So what do you do? You remain silent about the very pressing issues of the day. You refuse to be the salt and light that Christ commanded us to be. And in a sense, you effectively deny your Lord. I think those pastors 200 years ago who either sided with slavery or at least were too afraid to speak out were denying their Lord. And I think a case can be made that we may not be different all that much if we either side with uh, the destruction of marriage or at least are too afraid to speak out. Thank you so much to Alex from Essendon. A talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Peter in Victoria. Hello, Peter. Welcome along. Yeah, good day, Neil. Uh, appreciate your insights and your inspiration each day. And Bill, today, thank you. Um, I'm just I'm a member of the AFA, Australian Family Association, and I think we're in a coalition, a coalition for marriage. Good, yep. Yeah. You're aware of that, and we're doing work. Um, of course, on the, the no vote, um, 
Christian side of the job, and um, yeah, just people if they're feeling like there's hope, they're helpless, and they don't feel like they can do anything. Well, I've discovered that um, can go on to this um, coalition for marriage, and you can get involved, you know, in a peaceful way. Um, We've got a truckload of brochures and things we can hand out. Just Peter, you found that the Coalition for Marriage website's actually very useful. It's a good tool that you can use. There are good resources. You're feeling up to date. A response to Peter from uh, from Bill Muhlenberg. Well, again, you've got a good bunch of callers here all saying the right things and uh, very good indeed. There are quite a few good groups out there, so there's no need to feel helpless and hopeless. No need to say, oh, but what can I do? There are a lot of existing groups. The AFA is one. I used to work for them. Uh, Coalition for the Marriage, uh, Coalition for Marriage, the ACL. There's so many groups. Uh, Family Voice Australia. They're all working full time on this, and they need help. They need volunteers. They need workers, whether prayer support, uh, financial support. As Peter said, simply handing out pamphlets and brochures, whether you do it on a street corner or mailboxing. Uh, there's a million things we can do right now, and that's very important. We don't want to have a sense of despondency that this is inevitable and there's nothing I can do. The truth is nothing is inevitable. God is uh, in the business of turning things around if we uh, seek him diligently and if we pray. And there's so much we can do as well. So please get involved. You cannot sit this one out. We really don't have the luxury of sitting on the fence on this issue, whether it's simply using the social media. If you're on Facebook, for heaven's sake, stop sharing the dumb games you're playing and the high score you may have got on Candy Crush or whatever. Talk about marriage. Talk about the truth of God's Word. Use it to, uh, you know, make a difference. You all have uh, networks of friends, of family. Please speak out. Use the freedoms we now have to get the truth out, because we're going to lose a lot of those freedoms if we don't uh, keep plugging away on this one. Thank you so much to Peter from Victoria, and as you say, Bill Muhlenberg, and reflecting on what an earlier caller said, somebody has to be the one who calls out that the emperor has no clothes on and uh, the emperor's new clothes is a good story, a good illustration here because uh, so many people are not speaking out for fear of the ramifications. We are taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Graham in Tasmania. Hello, Graham. Welcome along. Hello. Uh, look, has anyone lifted their head up and looked around the world to our nations, English-speaking nations, America, how we've totally rejected God and the ministries, the ministries are not of God at all. And we are in peril. I'm fearful what I see on TV, just just our own backyard. We have, uh, God said that I will send the worst of the Gentiles upon you and all these troubles shall come upon you in the later days. Look, I'm just fearful for it. It's not going to change. Every Christian needs now to put their course for God to repent and turn to him, not only us, but the world itself. Uh, Graham, good thoughts. Uh, your response, Bill Muhlenberg? Absolutely, Graham. You've got me on side. I think the first order of the day for the church is repentance. It's long overdue. 
you know, everything we've said so far, I fully affirm we have to get involved in the political battle, the social battle, right? We need to contact politicians. We need to write letters. We need to hand out pamphlets. We need to tell our friends. We need to get on talkback radio, right? All of this is absolutely vital and essential. But uh, Graham brings up, uh, if you will, the the bigger picture. It's a spiritual battle at the end of the day. It's not just a political or ideological battle. It is a spiritual battle, and I think we're losing so often because the church is in a, it's in a pretty bad way. <laughs> I'll be the first to say. I think we've failed on so many fronts. It's not just on this issue, a whole range of issues, uh, whether it's bad doctrine, bad lifestyle, compromise, carnality. So, yeah, if, if somebody said, Bill, what is the number one priority of the day? Well, if I were talking to Christians, I would say, yeah, repentance. Get on our faces before Almighty God and say, Lord, we ask your forgiveness for just, you know, taking you for granted for living such a lukewarm, sloppy life. We haven't really been serious about you. We get far more serious at a stupid football game. So, yeah, that would be my thought, repentance first. But having said that, again, make use of the various political and social avenues that we have as well. It's a package deal. We need to pray like mad, but we need to work like mad, and together God is able to do mighty things. Thank you so much to Graham. 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join in our conversation, just before we take another call, though, Bill, uh, just to pick up on the idea of feeling fearful when you're watching the news. Uh, Because as we go to the scriptures, uh, there's an awful lot of scriptures through the whole Bible that would say, fear not. Uh, So while we might have a sense of where the consequences may lead uh, to Christians everywhere, potentially losing jobs uh, to the yeah, attacks that yeah. may come, uh, the, the the immediate response is that I feel a little fearful in this debate. But how do you reflect on Jesus and his call, uh, even that when there are wars and rumors of wars, that yeah. we ought to fear not? Yeah, that's a great point uh, in our own strength, sure. I mean, you know, my knees are knocking all the time. I'm, I'm afear, uh, afraid. But we are given the Holy Spirit, and we need to pray sometimes for some Holy Ghost boldness. You know, the Holy Ghost lives within us. Let's pray that we can start being bold and not walk in fear and intimidation, but to stand up, speak truth in love. Uh, you know, you're always going to get flack, and I get calls from people all the time. Yesterday morning, I got a call from a guy who's finally started to speak truth on Facebook, And boy, he's taking a hammering. He was so shocked. And, you know, the ugly, hateful abuse he's getting, even from people he thought were his friends. So he called and said, Bill, what can I do? I said, well, look, welcome to my world. (laughs) I've been getting this for 30 years. Whenever you speak truth, no matter how loving, some people are going to react. So you don't uh, shrink back and cower this. In fact, in Revelation, it talks about those leading the list of those God will send away from his presence are the cowards. So, yeah, you say, what do you mean to be cowardly is sinful? It is. It is. When we have the whole Godhead at our disposal, 
uh, we have no need to shrink back in fear, but we need to go out bold as a lion in the power and strength of his might. So, yeah, it's, it's a battle. It's a war. When you go out there, you're going to get bruised. You're going to get abused. You're going to get hated on. I get this almost every day. But come on, Jesus knew exactly what that was like. He did not shrink back. He did not give up. He went all the way to the cross for us. I think the least we can do here is do the same and say, I will not shrink back on this battle for marriage. Helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. (coughs) Pardon me. Uh, Take a deep breath there. Uh, We are taking calls, talking about conversations that we might anticipate as the postal plebiscite ballots arrive in our letterboxes. Bill Muhlenberg is our guest. Uh, Bill, we've uh, got only a short time in the lead up to uh, focus on the family, but let's take some calls and we might take uh, some fairly quick ones. Uh, Let's get some comments. Chris in Victoria. Chris, welcome along. Uh, good day, uh, Bill, Neil. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the focus of the enemy is to attack the church, but the church leaders should be encouraging all those who go to mosques, uh, synagogues, Buddhist temples, Hindu temples, that this affects them as well. Um, and also, like, you know, uh, I think a, slogan, a couple of slogans for um, the Coalition for Marriage should be like same-sex marriage, uh, a slippery slope to destruction, or same-sex marriage, opening up a can of worms that can never be shut. You know, like, if you open up, allow same-sex marriage, well, there could be pedophilia, bestiality, polygamy, all sorts of things, so, you know. Um, let's uh, get a quick response uh, from Bill Muhlenberg, and uh, some of those things uh, quite controversial that Chris is saying, but there hasn't been many slogans that I've heard for the no-case bill. Uh, there's been some uh, ads, and, uh, and there's been a lot of talk, but uh, lack of slogans. Just a quick thought from you. Oh, well, I agree with the caller, and, you know, there's different things we could do. Something like every child deserves or has a right to uh, his or her own biological mother and father. That really is the crux of this debate. Thank you so much to Chris from Victoria. Let's hear from George in New South Wales. Hello, George. Thank you for taking my call. I hope my phone is good enough for the program. Uh, George, what are your thoughts? My thoughts is um, with uh, rape, male or female, uh, this is in the heart, in the soul. Uh, with law, if this comes in, uh, if a straight guy is raped, it goes to court, will it be lessened? Because he's a bloke and he can't fall pregnant or anything else. Before, when a girl got raped, well, the possibility of getting pregnant. What about a straight guy who's raped? How does he stand in court? Uh, it's an important ethical question to raise, and it may be one that uh, might not uh, we might not know outcomes until there is some sort of case that might be tested in the courts. George, thank you so much for your call. Just uh, just hold off on uh, Bill making a comment on that one, but we'll take another call. Uh, just perhaps one more call, Solomon in Sydney. Hello, Solomon. Yeah, good day, Neil. Good day, Bill. Uh, just a, a quick question in the statement. The question is. Uh, has there been any uh, call for uh, uh, national fasting and, and prayer, uh, similar to the 40-day fast we did in Easter? Um, and uh, secondly, the the, uh, the issues of uh, the remnant uh, that uh, fasted and prayed for three days uh, in the book of Esther. Uh, that has to be uh, one uh, important issue that uh, the Church of the Marriage Foundation or the Marriage uh, 
coalition that should be considering. Solomon, it's a good thought to be talking about prayer because yesterday, as the 12th of September, the day that those uh, plebiscites ballots were being mailed, there was a national day of prayer and fasting here in Australia and lots of people will have participated in that. But because it was yesterday, that doesn't mean that the prayer and fasting ceases. And I think that church leaders around the nation will be encouraging believers to be in prayer and to undertake, if this is your uh, usual routine to be a participant in fasting too and it might be a good point to come to uh, a culmination of our conversation today Bill Muhlenberg in talking about the responsibility of believers in prayer and fasting and the expectation that the hand of God will move according to his people who will humble themselves and pray uh, your thoughts for Solomon and uh, and uh, on this issue of prayer and fasting Yes, absolutely. There are groups who are doing this now. There's regular annual uh, prayer and fasting and special times of this. So absolutely, it's already happening, and it is vital. As we said, this is a political and a social and intellectual fight, but at the end of the day, it is a spiritual battle. We cannot expect to win if we do not pray with all of our heart and strength and do some fasting and humble ourselves I think we can't win as well if we refuse to engage publicly, politically. So, like I say, it's two sides of the same coin. If we pray and work like mad, uh, God can work. God can be honored. So, by all means, uh, never forget uh, the overwhelmingly important side of prayer and fasting. Thank you so much to Solomon from Sydney. And just a few minutes in the conversation, a few moments really in the conversation remaining, Bill, uh, the idea of having a conversation because the ballots have arrived in the letterbox, uh, families, uh, workplaces, these conversations will be had. You mentioned a little earlier in our conversation the idea of sharing the truth in love. Mm. And uh, for a lot of people that means gently. Uh, sometimes it'll mean assertively, uh, but always with respect uh, to the other side. Uh, what are your thoughts about just how you might conduct that conversation when you're in it? Well, you're, you've said all the right things. Um, truth and love always go together. That doesn't mean we're wishy-washy and namby-pamby. We speak boldly and forthrightly, but as you say, we show respect. And I think the really interesting thing here to close on is the other side is, well, not really doing this. For the most part, they're not Christians. For the most part, they're quite angry uh, agitators and militants, and they keep overstepping the mark. They keep doing outrageous things, uh, denying other people freedom, uh, right to speak, and so on. So we get more and more people saying, I was going to vote yes, but seeing the behavior of some of the yes camp, I will now vote no. So simply that kind of you know, the way we present our case can have a real impact as well, not just what we happen to say. Well, Bill, time has run out. I want to thank every one of those callers who called through and made a great contribution in some of the issues that have been on their hearts that might come up in conversation uh, tonight and over this next couple of weeks as those ballots arrive. And Bill Muhlenberg, to you, I always am appreciative of your uh, deep insights and the way that you can articulate these issues so succinctly and uh, so uh, forcefully in that sense of, uh, as we talk about, uh, sharing the truth in love. Uh, I really appreciate your insights. I'll point people to com because Bill Muhlenberg has written a lot 
uh, as he says, for years of articles all about these issues. And uh, he is a prolific blogger. Uh, there'll be new articles that will appear today. I also encourage you uh, as a resource uh, to Google the uh, website called the Coalition for Marriage. And uh, there you'll find lots of resource and you'll keep up to date uh, with the debate and you'll get a more full understanding of what is uh, happening out there than what you might see reported in the mainstream media. Bill Muhlenberg, thanks so much for being part of 2020 today. Always a pleasure. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.